It's like channeling. Who knows? I can't be beholden to anything that's said at these talks. I really can't. I have no idea what's happened to me. People call me up and go, I, I really like what you had to say a couple of weeks ago. Will you expound on that? No. <laughs> Can you go further into that? No. Is this an invitation? It's more like a catalyst to me. Yeah. You know, like, I think I have the right word for it, definition. The catalyst is something that incites or facilitates a movement. Yeah. So let's just say, and it's not true, but let's say something's inert in you, some knowledge or some understanding or some, I wouldn't call it a condition, but some state, let's say. And that is uh, sort of inert in a way. It's not inert, but because there's no attention and interest to it, it's sort of inert. So this imitation to me is like a catalyst. It goes and it excites that little aspect. It's not a little aspect, but it excites. I can't say something either because it's not a thing, but it excites, yes? And then that excitement is is the total function of the message. It's not to... uh, you know, disseminate or have a huge, huge, huge uh, thesis. It's just amount, it's just to sort of trigger that what seems to be inert to sort of come alive in a way. Of course it's not, a, you know, but to, to facilitate like a, a something will happen to you, an aha or an unspoken yes or there'll be a res, like people use the word resonance, whatever those things. Something will vibrate. Yeah? And that's the job of the message in a way. And so you in the message can take the form of describing what we're not, yeah, and talking about what we're not, but it can never talk about what it is, because it can't be talked about, yeah. So all the pointing to me is at what you're not. There's never a pointing to what you are, because if there was a pointing to what you are, it would be what you're not that thought it saw that pointing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it would, the, the pointing would go, would be uh, like totally distorted because of what would claim the, the pointing. Oh, I, I see now. That I is what I'm not, yeah, let's say. So it's really a pointing at what you're not at all times. And in the pointing at what you're not, so there, to, to have that hit of what, about what you're not, there's a seeing has to be there. Yeah? There's a seeing of what you're not. The seeing, I would say, is what I am. Yeah? But I can't point to it. So I point at what you're not, and in the seeing of what you're not, if it's just kept brought to you, yeah, what you're not, what you're not, what you're not, there'll be a moment, or maybe two, or maybe immediate, of the sensation of the seeing. Yeah? Not the emphasis on what you're not, but the seeing of what you're not. And the seeing of what I'm not is what I am. That seeing of what I'm not is what I am. But I can't point to of what I am. Yeah. You can't get it that way. You have to point at what you're not, and in the pointing of what you're not, what facilitates the seeing of what you're not is what I am. Yeah. That seeing, like St. Francis said, what's looking is what you're looking for. Yeah. So it's very difficult to, to point to the what's looking. But now we're going to look at the you that's looking for. 
So if the you that's looking for is what you're not, that's the sense of what's looking. Yeah? So what's looking is what you are looking for. So there's the what's looking. How we experience here what's looking is you and me looking for. Yeah? That's not the what's looking. That's what we're not. So, but we can see what we're not, and in the seeing of what we're not, that's the sense of what we are. So it's like a backdoor way to get to it, because it's been proven in a lot of people's own experience that pointing at it, which is not an it, doesn't really do anything. Because what happens is, they would always say you get, you know, it's the finger pointing at the moon and everyone gets addicted to the finger. They don't see the moon, yeah? So, obviously, there's um, uh, some kind of bogusness in trying to entertain what I am, yeah? It just doesn't, it doesn't facilitate. It, it's, it's got a built-in, like, uh, bonding mechanism. Oh, I am, I'm getting to, I'm seeing what I am today. I'm, I found my authentic self, or whatever you want to call it, yeah? I don't see that working to me. For me, it's like seeing what I'm not, and that's the, and after, maybe it'll take one event, or maybe it'll be repetition, but in the seeing of what I'm not, if someone takes a nice picture of what we're not, and then you can see it, and after a while you keep seeing it, at one time, the emphasis will be off the information of what you're not, and will be on the scene, and you'll say, oh, that's what's, that's what's been looking the whole time. I've been feeling like it's you looking for. Yeah. That's what's looking all the time, is the seeing. But it facilitates that hit by seeing what I'm not. If I'm under a delusion of what I'm not, I'm seeing from what I'm not, you know? In other words, the seeing from what I'm not is a form of looking, which blinds you to the seeing. Doesn't it? Yeah. So, if, alright, so if I'm going to see, well, who is that looker, let's say, and if there is no one looking, yeah? But it's a system called self-centeredness, right? Or, yeah, a form of looking. Who is that looking? And when it's entertained, there's no one there. There can be a hit of that scene. Yeah. So the looking gets you see through the looking, and you get the feeling of the scene. Yeah. But this, so let's say there's the you that's looking for. If the identification with the you, yes believes it's seeing through the looking, that's just another form of looking. So, like, to me, it wasn't... I heard a lot of times people describing nothingness, which is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, you're making it into something by talking about it all day. Aren't you? Really? So, but so, the point is, is let's point at something. Let's just keep pointing at something and describing something which will give you the sense of nothing. Yeah? But to ta- start pointing at nothing all the time, that pointing makes it something. Yeah? So, this way is like, okay, <laughs> if I'm seeing from what I'm not, that's a form of looking called self-centeredness. Okay, so I'm now going to question, is there a someone that's looking? If there isn't a someone that's looking, now you see that format of a someone looking for. Yeah? That's what you're not. So what gets delivered in seeing what you're not quite often is the feeling of the seeing. The emphasis leaves what you're not because why it leaves what you're not? Because it's not you finally. Yeah? 
When the emphasis is on what you're not as you, it never leaves it. Everything is self-centered. Yeah? All your entertaining nothing is do, you're, it's made into something by the something that thinks it's entertaining it. You, it's very difficult to get out of the system by the system. Self can't get out of self. Yeah? So, that form of looking sort of collapses it on itself. It protects itself. So even if there's a, even if there's a direct whack of, pure, of seeing, that arises and says, oh, I just had this incredible experience of my own absence. It claims it once again. So the form of, of looking is very, very uh, inclusive. It morphs and, and absorbs everything into it. Yeah? It even makes something, it makes nothing into something that you have an experience of. It actually claims its own absence, which is an incredible feat, yeah. There'll be a, a, a set where, let's say they call them epiphanies, or some people call it an epiphany, you have an epiphany, and we go over this a lot, but who in this room ever had an epiphany? Actually, no one, right, obviously, but there'll be people that think they've had an epiphany, and did you make a reservation for that epiphany? Did you call ahead for that epiphany? Did you make sure they had an eagle paw bathtub and had some candles and some Kenny G music coming in? No. It sort of was an interruption to the linear story of Paul. You know, that's what happens. And it was a, a sufficient enough interruption you know, that there was a thorough absence of Paul. And then what happens is, at a, one, at a point in time, because... Epiphany is a timeless event. Yeah? At a point in time, the mind arises and claims it. It says, oh, I just had this incredible epiphany. Then it goes and maybe reads scriptures to see if it matches any of people's epiphanies. Calls up the, uh, the epiphany line. Yes, I'd like to report I had an epiphany. And, uh, I think it's a major one. I'd like to see how many major ones have happened this week. And I want to see my rating. You know, oh, I said epiphany habit falls up there. That must be I'm very, very spiritual. Yes, I'm a very spiritual person. I had an incredible epiphany. <laughs> but in fact, no one had an epiphany. So when you ask that question, anyone have an epiphany here? The answer is no one raises their hand because no one had it. Yeah. It's just an event that can happen here. Yeah. A timeless events can happen here. So, this whole idea of, um, that's why I always like with the ocean and the wave. Yeah? When I first started hearing this and reading it, people would describe the ocean, you know, the eternal ocean or whatever, the ocean of love and all this and all that. And it sounded really good, but it sounded really good to me. Yeah? And to me was stubbornly in, in, in the identification as a wave. Yeah, there's no way I was going to know the ocean except as a wave. Yeah, which isn't really, and all I can do is know the ocean as a wave. I can never have a sense of being the ocean because I'm already a wave. Yeah. So for me to hear lots of descriptions about the ocean doesn't really help. I would just want to have just someone describe to me what a wave looks like, what a wave acts like, what a, a wave moves like. And when I see that information, and I can entertain, hey, I'm not that. When I'm, when I'm entertaining I'm not that, that's the ocean. Yeah. So all the waving was just an interpretation of the ocean. 
And the wave can never escape its nature of being wet and ocean, no matter how much it wants to take itself to be a very special, superior wave. But it can spend years and years studying the ocean, which just reinforces its waveness. It can be a master ocean experiencer. It can be the greatest wave who knows the most about the ocean in the world. But it doesn't, tra- it doesn't cross or transcend that system of being a subject, a pseudo-subject, and making everything else, everything else an object to it. It's made all there is an object to it. I am the wave, and the ocean which all, is all there is. I'm having an experience of that ocean. I know that ocean. I've woken up to that ocean. But as a wave, no. To me, are you a wave? If you're not a wave... In timelessness, there's a sense of oceanness. So, in other words, when the wave is seen not to be a wave, there's no sense it ever was a wave that ever turned into an ocean. It's no sense like that. It's an immediate ocean. No wave, no, 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 no beginning wave, and then the wave terminated by all this wave activity. The wave, the wave, the wave terminated its waveness by purifying this and that, and then it became the ocean. No, it's ocean. Never was a wave. That's the that's the beauty of it. There never was a wave. It wasn't like oh, there was a wave, then there wasn't a wave. There it was a wave. It wasn't like that, and it, it wasn't like there was a wave. I worked really hard, I meditated as a wave, and I purified my waveness, and then I became the ocean this one day, October 12, 1993. And at that moment, I left behind the wave world, and I became the ocean. And now I'm asking all of you waves to come to me. Send me a little cash. Come to me, and I will dispel my incredible wetness on you as a wave, and hopefully through spending a lot of time with me, at very expensive retreats, you, as this wave, will drop out of the wave and turn into the ocean, such as I. Not as big as an ocean as me, but you will. (laughs) (laughs) You will be a subdivision of the ocean. I'll send you out to teach to other waves as I rest in the ocean of awareness. I'll franchise my ocean. to me like the eternal shore. Break all your disturbances and chaos in me and I have smoothed all of it down. And when the wave becomes totally calm, it will get an experience of being the ocean. Because only a wave is just a disturbance of the ocean. So now you think you're a calm wave. (laughs) No. There isn't a wave. When entertaining that, it takes the solution out of time. There's nothing you need to do as a wave to break down the waveness to get to the ocean. There's just a recognition, I'm not a wave. Immediately, there's a sense of oceanness. It doesn't come like a process. It can come and take over like a process, but the immediate hit is exactly what always is so. That was probably the clearest one of all, that immediate unspoken yes you may have had, was the whole breadth and width of the ocean echoing. Now in time, you may be entertaining it, you know, but that was showed its whole breadth and width, that one aha. So I like going in like the back doorway. Let's just 
see, is there a wave? And that's all right. You want to describe what a wave looks like, what a wave feels like, what a wave thinks it's doing? Yeah, okay. Let's describe it. And hopefully when you see it and hear it, something may resonate in you. And then all the information and repetition of the message will distill into one unspoken statement. I'm not that. And that's the seeing. The seeing of what I'm not is what I am. Yeah? The seeing of what I'm not is what I am. What I'm not can seem to appear incessantly, but the seeing of it is what I am. And there's always the seeing before the appearance. Yes? The awareness, the context, if you want to give it like uh, precedence or who was first, which there isn't any time, but let's just put it this way. The awareness is the context, and then there's appearances in the context. Yeah? The awareness is what allows the appearance to be noted. Yes? Without awareness, you wouldn't know what was appearing or not appearing. There would not be a world for you. Yeah. So the awareness is never, no matter how much things change, that always stays exactly the same. Yeah. It's like the sky, the open sky. Anything can happen in it, but what happens in the sky, or seems to appear in the sky, doesn't have a strong effect on the sky itself, does it? If you had Fourth of July explosions, the sky will not get ripped open by them. Yeah. Explosions, rain, wet, cause this place to get wet, but the sky isn't wet. Yeah. That context is sort of like the quality of mind. It's that, it's that empty. But see, what we have, which is interesting as humans, we have the ability to reflect. Yeah. The mind can reflect. Now, I, I don't think animals reflect. They don't have self-reflection, do they? When they're running around, they're not thinking, oh, Fido's running around. You know? I, I, was, I think I was running better yesterday. Whatever. I don't think they have a giant narration of being a dog. I don't know. Maybe they do. I don't think so. There's a sentience, but there's a quality that's not there, which is that reflective ability. But what we call it is self-reflection, which is, to me, the trance. So there's the empty quality of mind, which can reflect, is now reflecting things, yes? And it's taken itself to be a thing. So it doesn't sense its emptiness because it sees everything as a thing. And it doesn't see things as inherently empty. It thinks things have value, yes? So there's this reflective nature that's actually the trance maker. But that same reflective nature, if it would see what it's reflecting as what I'm not, yes, all that's being reflected as what I'm not, then there would be a hit of its quality, which is of empty. Yeah? It's empty of being a thing. Yes? If it would see all the things that are being reflected and would sense, you don't have to think about all of them, just the one thing, this that has become uh, crowned the subject of your life, yeah? to see that that is not inherently a thing. Yeah? In other words, what's looking out of me isn't a thing, it's no thing, let's say. In that, uh, in seeing no thing, isn't that act of seeing empty? Because your seeing never runs into a thing. 
So it's like an, it's an infinity way of seeing because the seeing never gets interrupted by running into a thing, producing time. Yeah? It's just seeing. What? Nothing. So it never alights on anything because it's seeing nothing. Yeah? It's never interrupted because it never runs into anything. So it's seeing nothing. So let's say that reflective ability, let's say it's like a two-sided mirror. It has the ability to reflect. Our attention and interest is usually thrown this way. So we're attending and interested in what's being reflected. Ideas. This is not escaping from things. Things too. Mental ideas and concepts and thoughts of things. They're phenomena. They're appearing. So they're things. So we're reflecting all of that, yes? But, and then, I believe there's another, we're looking also this way at the same time, yes? The mind is, not me. The mind is. Me is looking this way. And when it looks back in here, it just sees ideas about itself, about itself, yes? It never goes any farther. So everything it meets is always brought back to this thing. So it's like a self-important loop. It just goes, choo. My awareness, attention goes all the way out here, but it always goes back to the same reference point, me. You know, it's called self-centeredness. <laughs> the whole system is based on the center of self. Let's just say that part of the mirror that has that little happy face of Paul, so when the attention and interest hits that, let's just say I question, am I that? And then something happens, the grace of whatever you want to call it, I see through that little opaque face, and now the attention is seeing its original face, like they say in Zen. You see your original face, which is not a face, obviously. It's no thingness. So now, there's a living, like, attention and interest is hitting things, but at the same time, there's also attention and interest hitting no thing. And then, this starts shifting into seeing things as no thing. Doesn't mean you don't see things, but you don't see things as a thing anymore. Yeah? This, to me, is a feeling of traveling lighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Because now life is just happening, not to you. Yeah? It's a whole different way of, like they used to talk about the, the teacher sitting or the disciple sitting at the river and just watching the river go by. That's sort of like, you could use that as a symbol of this, of life is happening. You're watching life is happening. Yeah? The person's attention and interest while watching the river isn't sucking the river to me all day. Oh, what does this river mean to me? It is really in self-centeredness. But it would be like when that self is seen as not you, it would be letting the river doing its own course and your mind would be reflecting that. Yeah? It wouldn't be sucking it into you. What does it mean to me that the river is going this way? What? What? How? How am I going to cross this river? Where will this river take me? Oh, this baloney, no. That's all life. Now the river's happening to you. Yeah, yeah. But just let the life, the river's happening. That's, you ever see that movie Siddhartha or something? That's when the guy wakes up. He goes to the old river man and he ends up sitting near the river just watching the river go by. That's the sort of sense of life is happening. Yeah? Instead of to me. It's like the breaking of self-centeredness as the main interpretive system and now life is just occurring. Going, it's like meandering its own direction, not always to you. There's a fucking freedom in this. There's a huge freedom. 
when the bondage to self, which is really described as life is happening to me, when that to me is broken from life is happening, and it's just seen as life is happening, there is a real relief in that. A real freaking relief. And the river has its own momentum. You don't have to keep making it go its own way. There's no efforting. Oh, don't come near me anymore. Don't make it about me anymore. It's not having anything to do with making it about you. It's your mind that's making the river about you. The river is going its own way. So life now is happening, and it has its own little course. And there's um, there's a freedom in traveling there. Yeah. Even if you're on the water, there's a freedom in traveling there. When you're under the water, there's a freedom in traveling there. Because now it's held as life is happening. So there's a freedom in this. And you can sense it sometimes. When you're looking, you're looking at a thing, and yet at the same time, mind is seeing nothing. While you seem to be looking at a thing, mind, my mind, not conditional mind. Conditional mind is the idea of you as being the one who's seeing a thing. Mind, at the same moment, is seeing nothing. What are you? Are you beholden to the conditional mind? The only, only reason you are is because it produces, it says there's a you. Yeah? And there's a habit of being identified with that you, so now you think that's the only way of seeing. But at the same time, this form of looking is occurring, seeing nothing is happening. That's what mind is doing. It's not even doing it. That's its nature. Its nature is awareness, and there's no thing, so there's seeing nothing. And there's a feeling of it while you're traveling here. Not a it can, it can affect the feelings of the body. I can't say it's like a feeling like this, but there's a sense of it. There's a sense of that. That mind. Not the conditional mind. The conditional mind is still activated here. I mean, this is the way it is here, yeah? There's selfing, and there's a sense of being the action figure, and you're engaged in relationships with things. But all the while, seeing nothing is the dominant context. So there's an activity of me seeing something here, but it's just an activity, just an activity in the seeing nothing context. Our attention and interest on that one activity, yeah, like a tunnel vision, like a magnifying glass, is what shrinks us from the revelation of all of this and puts us into the life of that. Yeah. It's only seemingly, only appearing to be true or false to you. There's no reality to it whatsoever. It's all seemingly. Just like we talked about at this recovery meeting the other night. A lot of times people come into recovery and they have an idea of what the worst thing that ever happened to them was. And some of them built altars on it. it it's been used for the excuses for their whole life failures and everything. That was the worst thing. If that wouldn't have happened, everything would probably be great. And yet after a year or two of recovery, their mind has shifted a little out of that what's happening to me. And now they see the worst thing as the best thing that ever happens. Yeah. Now, if, this, if there was a reality here, the worst thing would be the worst thing. Yeah. It couldn't be the best thing, because it would be inherently solid as the worst thing. Yeah. But how can the worst thing become the best thing? Because it's all an appearance. It's all seemingly so. The mind is given everything the meaning it has. Yeah. So, in one condition, the mind gave this situation the worst thing that happened to me. From another point of view, shifting, it's the best thing that happened to me. How, if you wanted someone to demonstrate to you, that would be an incredible demonstration. All right, I can make the worst thing in your life look like the best thing. 
can tell, and I can make a bet at a bar. There's only one requirement, and that's to be dressed a certain way. But I can make a bet at a bar that I can see my back by looking at my leg. Pretty good. Sounds very difficult, yeah? I like to see that. I can see my back by looking at my leg. So usually I have to wear long pants because there's a piece of my back on my leg. When they saved my leg, they took a piece of this, which is, I would say, the back. See that? They took that out and put it on here. So I can make tons of money at bars after one o'clock at night. Hey, man, I bet you I can see my back by looking at my leg. Oh, I don't think so. There you go. Well, there you go. So in this place, the worst thing can seem to be the best thing. It's all seemingly so. Where does the seemingly so get set? Where you're seeing things from, yes? It's not seemingly so out there. It's seemingly so from here, isn't it? That's out there. It's just out there. It's not even out there, but let's say it's just out there. But its meaning is given by us. So we give everything all the meaning it has. A very important lesson in the Course of Miracles. Lesson number two. You and I give everything all the meaning it has. How is that? Because they'd always get to the point that it's because you see only the past. Because how life, the conditional mind views this is from in a past mental realm. You never have a new thought ever. It's all rethinking. It's all refeeling. It's all rehashing. That's all it is. What happens here, in a way, what we're talking about seeing nothing is like the unmanifest here. Yeah? I'm going to go on this again. <laughs> the unmanifest here. Then there's the manifest here, which is this right now. Yeah? And then there's the mental realm, which is a tiny aspect of the manifest here, which has become a dominant aspect with the mind being identified as a self. The mind being identified as a self is up its own ass into this mental realm. And in this mental realm, yes, the here that you want to escape from as an addict isn't the here. It isn't the manifest here. It's the mental here. And the mental here isn't here. It's there and then. All these old conditional ideas, all these beliefs, all these old resentments and regrets and worries get poured into what you call this moment and it's the last place any addict I know wants to be. They'll do almost anything not to be there. Yeah. It seems like uh, uh, the whole personality is built around memory and, um, well, you know, basically, memory. Really. It's all memory, right? Yes, mind's remembering me. Right. There's no other proof for me other than that. <laughs> really. There's no proof for Paul whatsoever, except memory. <laughs> but I have my license, yeah, 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 in this little made-up world. But there's no proof of me ever. It's all memory, yeah. The whole thing. So here's the mental realm. Why well, I like to call what's not happening. <laughs> and in that mental realm, you're a citizen of that mental realm being identified as self. Not you, because there's no you. When the mind is identified as a self, when it takes itself to be a body, yes, then it's the way it pictures, the way the thought system, that's the dominant thought system here now, pictures you is as a body. Yeah. When it thinks about you in the past, it pictures you as a body, doesn't it? It can't, it can't paint a picture of you any other way. It can't capture you as a spirit, so how can it ever think about you? It can't. So it thinks about you as a body. Yeah. 
a young body then and an older body now. Whatever, you know? So when that becomes the dominant, let's say, radio station in one's life, let's say K-Paul, and it's broadcasting it all fucking day, you're in a mental realm, basically. And you're calling it here, but it has no resemblance to here. There's only one conscious contact, which is your hyper and con- your hyper-conscious about the thoughts, yeah? which causes you to be unconscious. Yeah. Now, in the manifest here, you have six gates. There's mind-seeing thought, there's hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, smelling. Yeah? Like Buddha said, when you see, see, when you hear, hear, when you feel, feel. But there, you can't see, hear, and feel. So, it, it, here it is you, how you feel is you re-feel. Yeah? How you see is you re-see. How you taste is you retaste. Yeah? How you think, you rethink. There's no there's no clarity in it. It's all an old, old idea coming out of the mind mental realm. So this there and then is flooding into your conscious awareness of here. And you want to get out of here. That's what I want to get out of. I mean, I, the type of alcoholic I was, I wanted, I would pay any consequence tomorrow not to be uncomfortable now. And the here and now I was in was not the here and now of the manifest realm. It was the here and now of the mental realm. And man, I wanted out. And the funny thing is, all my activities to get out of this imprisoned me in the manifest here. <laughs> I'd be going to jail... And then I can try to explain my case. Well, where did you want to get out of? Here? No? You're in jail here. But I wanted to get out of jail. I wanted to get out of jail here. I had here and here mixed up. I thought this was the manifest here. But what happened is I tried to get out of here and I ended up being in prison here. <laughs> in the manifest realm. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it says any life on our self-will will not be successful. When you're running on self-will, you're taking false evidence to appear real. The acronym for fear. You're living in a total advertised world. Your mind is projecting threats where there aren't any. It's, re- it's, it's, step- it's kicking embers to start an old fire again. It's constantly going over and over and over shit. Over and over shit. It never leaves the fire. It just goes back and keeps kicking it trying to start another fucking fire. And you have a drive to get out of here. But the seeking now is is becomes an occupation of the manifest here, which is not a recognition of conscious contact. It's trying to get out of somewhere. So you're seeking like crazy in the manifest here, where to me the manifest here is revelatory. It isn't about finding. It's about having something revealed. Because in the manifest here, what can be revealed is the unmanifest. You can intimate the unmanifest in the manifest. You'll never intimate the unmanifest up here. Yeah? Because you're already being force-fed a, a distorted uh, version of the unmanifest. What's not happening? <laughs> it's not the unmanifest. It's a distorted mental version called what's not happening. And, and when you have faith in this, it produces anxiety. When you have faith in the unmanifest, it produces an ease and comfort while you travel. Yes. You're able to outshine circumstances and situations when you have faith in the unmanifest. But when you have faith in this unmanifest, you're totally anxiety-ridden, resentful, filled, regrets, and fucking 
sense of entitlement or exceptionalism or specialness, all this incredible ego-centered disease mind just flourishes, yeah? And you want out. So now, instead of realizing this moment is the access point, this moment is now being used to seek, really, relief from the mental realm. Instead of, to me, the real relief from the mental realm is recognizing it's not happening. Not on the level it believes it to be. Yes? It's just an aspect I call selfing. It's one of many things going on now. Just one of many. It's not the Mother Ganges. It's one little tributary of the mental streaming of everything. Yeah? So in that sense, in the manifest here, is a, to me, when it's, been, it's used for seeking, it, it's the way of hiding what's actually located in the manifest here, which is the expression of awareness through conscious contact. So there's no need to seek, it's right where you are. Your being on is, is the activity of awareness coming from unmanifest to manifest. So there's no need to transcend the manifest. It's in the manifest, like in Buddhism it says, emptiness is form, unmanifest is the form, and then form is the unmanifest. So, by seeing, by realizing there are no inherent things here, you're seeing nothing which is the unmanifest in the manifest. So it's not a form of seeking. To me, the seeking is driven by the mental realm. Here you seek things for the body, but to seek a solution to the mental realm, yeah, in the demonstration of the solution, the timeless demonstration of the solution, and cause it to be thrust into a time process where you use thinking you're going to get time by doing and having, you're going to arrive somewhere called the access to the unmanifest. Where is the access to the unmanifest if it's everywhere? Where is it? Everywhere. At every place you could possibly be, that's it. So, to be right where you are, does it take any time? No. It helps me to sort of visualize that, what you're talking about, uh, <clears throat> uh, form being empty and emptiness being form, is uh, in pivots, they have this thing, um, uh, representation that if, if an atom, rather if the nucleus of an atom was the size of an orange, the nearest electron circulating around it will be four miles away. Which gives you an idea, it's mostly space. So after which is basic building block of the matter, is just 99.9.9% empty space. And that, then they have these um, <coughs> particles, the smallest particle, yeah. called neutrino, yeah. which uh, can travel unimpeded through matter, never runs into anything else, just because of its size, and and it being everything else being mostly empty space. So, you know, pure solid to me, it's just from what I'm looking at it. You know, if you come right down to the atomic level, you would see 99.9% space. I would yeah. say, I would say, I change it one bit, it's 100% space. <laughs> <laughs> the appearance is, <laughs> is what, 0, 0, 0.1, right. and that's just an appearance. <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's like a sleight of hand. By nothing, it makes yeah, itself right. seem to well, be something. they say that uh, you can't really, they can't decide whether the electrons are uh, material particles yeah. or electromagnetic waves. <laughs> yeah. I don't know whether it's matter or energy. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, well, 
There's no difference. And it's emptiness is form, and form is emptiness. They're the same thing. Everything is inherently empty. To me, how much travel, how much more can you travel light than realizing everything's empty? I mean, I mean that's the lightest packing of a bag of all time. <laughs> My bag's empty. Then you realize I don't even need the bag, obviously, because I'm not bagging anything. <laughs> I mean, that would be a form of called traveling later, isn't it? So when you're when, when up here you're entertaining emptiness, I'm telling you, it will allow, <laughs> the heaviness isn't the bag you're carrying. This is it. <laughs> if this is empty, you know, bags will come and go. <laughs> It'll be just experiences. But when this is full, fuck. <laughs> You can look like you have the lightest life in the world, but you're flipped out totally. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> so this is empty. <laughs> Let this be empty and my cock is full. That's what I say. <laughs> That's my motto now. I'm going to put that on my coin. Let this be empty, but the copper is full. <laughs>